Welcome back to Mindful Mommies Now, the lactation series, part 11, breastfeeding myths and diet. This is Elizabeth Cashin. I'm an RN and IBCLC, and I'm a lactation consultant that's worked with moms, dads, families, and their babies for over 30 years in a teaching hospital. I wanted to talk about diet today, and there are so many interesting things to um, read about when it comes to diet and milk production that um, I always feel that we have to address this so that when families go home with their babies and uh, things come up, questions from friends and family, that they have some resources for answering some questions like this. So um, usually it has to do with how do I make more milk? What, what do I eat? What do I drink? What can I do? And maybe what should I avoid? And um, if you go online, which you know most of us do, you'll find a lot of confusing resources um, when it comes to what to avoid eating. Uh, really, there there is just a huge range of of ideas for what you should avoid. Anything from avoiding caffeine and chocolate to a long list of vegetables. Uh, dairy, you name it. There are just so so many things. Um, but bottom line, it, it really causes, I think, too much concern and worry over you know, what is the perfect diet when you're trying to make milk. And you really have enough to, to take care of with a new baby um, rather than worrying about everything that you put in your mouth. And so that's the thing that that's, I guess, what really made me want to talk about this on an episode of this podcast, because it's, it's really less important what you eat than what I think most people think. You can really literally be malnourished to starving, and your body is still going to make a high-quality milk for your baby. What's really important is that you're doing the best that you can and your support um, system, your family and your friends are doing the best to help the person, the individual that's lactating, making milk for the newborn, helping her to her or, or him or they to take care of themselves the best that they possibly can so that they are hydrated well, they are fed well so that that person's body is in the best shape possible. And then there's gonna be the ability to make as much high quality milk as possible. So hydration is key. And it doesn't have to be um, a certain kind of hydration necessarily, but you wanna be able to drink well enough to be well hydrated so when you go to the bathroom, your urine looks nice and clear, not concentrated and yellow. So breastfeeding, chest feeding, pumping makes you thirsty. Therefore, you're going to drink more. You'll be well hydrated. So maybe start there. So hydration is important. And the cheapest thing to stay hydrated with is going to be water. Um, So drink as you're thirsty. You really don't have to drink um, to excess. You don't really have to drink large, large quantities of water in order to make enough milk. If you're stimulating well, you know, frequently through the day, evening and night, you're going to be thirsty. Look at what your urine output is like as a, as a guide to whether or not you're hydrated 
um, the way that you need to be. So drink when you're thirsty. Water is the cheapest thing, obviously, no matter where you are. You really don't have to invest in um, bl um, bottles of blue body armor. That's one of the more popular uh, drinks that people have been talking about lately. Um, I've heard of people going to uh, the hospital when they're in labor with big packages from Costco of blue body armor. And you really just don't need to do that. So I just feel like we need to make things less complicated so that there's less one less worry when it comes to taking care of yourself and your new baby. So hydration, hydration, hydration. Drink what you like. Water's the cheapest, obviously. Um, and if you're drinking something because you're thirsty, it's not terrible if one of the things that you're drinking has caffeine in it. You know yourself well enough to know how much caffeine you can drink without it being something that makes you jittery. So plenty of people will drink caffeine during pregnancy. Um, I know that most care providers will, will say that, you know, drinking caffeine maybe once a day is, um, is adequate, is sufficient, you know, for, you know, taking care of yourself during pregnancy. And if that works for you, that that's what you can do when you're, when you're lactating. Um, you might find that a baby will, some babies will be extra sensitive, just like, you know, human beings are to caffeine, but we don't know until we know. So don't assume that you might have a baby that's extra sensitive to caffeine. Um, if you tend to drink a lot of caffeine, eventually that amount of a larger amount of caffeine will make it to the baby. And you might notice the baby might be a little bit more, um, awake and alert. So, but don't assume that caffeine is something you have to cut out necessarily. So have your cup of coffee in the morning or the Coke or the Pepsi or the Starbucks or whatever, um, that you need. So that's just the beginning of like what, you know, you can, can't eat. So anyway, you'll also see if you kind of do a little Google search, a long list of vegetables to avoid that's not necessary either. A lot, there's a lot of concern for, you know, the dreaded, you know, colic, but, you know, colic is not something that you see in a brand new baby either, but don't assume that vegetables go from your mouth to your stomach, to your milk, and that it's going to make a baby fussy because that's really not how it works. So you need to have a varied diet. Vegetables are part of it. So um, there's not a particular vegetable that is to be avoided. There aren't really, there really aren't specific foods that, uh, that everyone needs to avoid when they're breastfeeding. Um, there is maybe, you know, one thing to mention though here, and that is that, and you heard this when you were pregnant with the baby probably too, to avoid the, um, the fish that tend to have a higher mercury content. And that would be shark, swordfish, tilefish, um, some types of blue tuna, things that most, most of us are not eating on a regular basis. But um, they would be things to avoid when you're, when you're breastfeeding because of the high mercury content. But 
Other than that, you know, eat what you like to eat. Don't make this something to stress about. Um, one of the great things if you've got a good support system is people want to bring food to your house. Take, your, take that food. Let your, let your mother-in-law, your mother, your aunts, you know, your cousins, let people bring you food and enjoy it. You know, take care of yourself and, you know, eat when you're hungry, especially have snacks nearby wherever you happen to be, you know, hanging out to breastfeed your baby so that you can quickly grab, grab something to eat. Uh, but you don't have to put a whole lot of concern into don't eat that or don't eat that. And you really don't have to um, think about if I ate that, then maybe that's why it seems the baby isn't um, falling asleep the way she should. Or, you know, the baby isn't having the bowel movements that she used to have. It could be that I just ate that. It's not likely to be that. So if... Um, if over time you were to notice something about your baby and bowel movements and, and such, then, then we could, you could look at and with the guidance of a, a doctor, a pediatrician or a family practice doctor, um, maybe some kind of an allergy that would cause like a need for a change in your diet, but that's not something to begin with. Um, so don't start off thinking that that's, that's a concern. Also, when it comes to allergy, there is no um, evidence that avoiding specific allergens in the lactating parent's diet prevents development of food allergy in the baby. So um, say that you ate um, peanuts during pregnancy or you were eating um, peanut butter and jelly while you're lactating. Um, you're not gonna, that doesn't affect your baby having an allergy to peanuts one way or the other. That's, that's not something that is thought to be accurate at this stage. Um, so, so really eat the things that you like. Um, and what's great is that, you know, if you're eating the food that's common in your family, in your culture, over time, the milk that you're making and that the baby is drinking is going to be flavored with the things that are the norm for for that baby's um, life so that um, you're not going to have to play you know too much you know introducing foods that are so out out of the norm you know down the road they're going to be familiar from breastfeeding breastfeeding helps a baby have a more varied palate so that you know starting the solids down the road are going to be solids that are a little bit more familiar because that baby was breastfed which is really pretty cool um and studies have shown us that even before babies are born, if moms have a varied diet during pregnancy and they eat things with a lot of flavor like garlic, the, the baby that's growing in, inside is going to swallow more frequently because the amniotic fluid eventually tastes like a little garlicky too, and that tastes good to a baby. So babies do enjoy when, when their, their parent um, has a varied diet with stronger flavors, like, like with garlic, like spicy foods. You know, you don't have to avoid foods with flavor. Um, spicy foods don't make a baby gassy, don't make a baby upset or anything like that. Lots of, you know, cultures all over the world eat spicy food. When, um, when a baby is, uh, is inside the mom, the mom doesn't change her diet, you know, because she's pregnant. In fact, she's probably going to eat more. So, so enjoy your food, basically. Um, and 
don't worry too much about it. If anyone's suggesting to you, should you eat that? Or maybe you ate that and that's why the baby's acting that way. Um, just try to take it with a grain of salt and know that it's not, they're not connected that way. Um, so please stay hydrated first, eat when you're hungry. Um, but yeah, very diet, very important. You may also hear that there are certain things that are going to boost milk production. And this podcast isn't about like um, either a real or perceived low milk um, supply, but just because this comes up when it comes to food, uh, we've all heard of lactation cookies, I think, by now. And usually the question comes up and has come up to me, what should I eat to make more milk? So lactation cookies, you see them at Target, you see them, you know, advertised, and essentially they're going to have things in them like um, fennel seed, fenugreek, blessed thistle, and oatmeal, um, and sugar, and chocolate, and whatever. So, uh, but essentially they are they're very fancy oatmeal cookies with some additives that um, have a history of enhancing milk production however you would have to eat a very large amount of um, lactation cookies over time to get a small increase maybe in your milk production so again it's not evidence-based it's also not harmful so if someone were to buy you lactation cookies it doesn't hurt to to accept them and eat them but know that they're not going to going to do anything significant for your milk production and they're expensive so um there is you know some thought that the the two things that are in those cookies which are fenugreek and oatmeal they both lower cholesterol and you know you might see an increase in milk production if you over time are lowering your cholesterol that is evidence-based but that's over time if you are looking to increase milk production quickly, you would, um, if you're looking for like an herb that might do that, one um, herb, fenugreek, that has been looked at over, you know, hundreds and really thousands of years for enhancing mom's diet, mom's well-being, and as a side effect, milk production to at least a smaller degree would be fenugreek and taking, um, larger quantities of fenugreek than you're going to find in cookies. And that would mean if you went to um, a health food store and you got fenugreek capsules, you would need to take fenugreek capsules, um, two to three fenugreek capsules, two to three times per day. And within a handful of days or a week or so, um, you would start to notice that your urine would smell sweetly like maple syrup. That would indicate that you're taking an adequate amount of fenugreek. And at that point, you may notice with pumping that you see um, a little bit of an increase in your volumes. But just kind of you know, keep in mind, that's a lot of fenugreek. And that's a lot more fenugreek than you would find in lactation cookies. And that's why I said you'd have to eat a lot of lactation cookies to get at least that little boost from the fenugreek. And so a lot of lactation cookies, that's a lot of calories too and a lot of money. So, so anyway, I'm just saying that when it comes to lactation cookies, they're not harmful, um, but they're not going to give you that great bang for your buck that you might be wanting. So um, the things that would, would be um, really frequent and really um, adequate milk removal um, through every day, um, watching you know that you're staying well hydrate, hydrated because you are removing milk that often. Um, and I guess um, 
just knowing that you don't have to put pressure on yourself to have a perfect diet when you're lactating. Just like when you're pregnant, you're gonna be given great information by your care provider regarding how to take care of yourself, what a great diet might be when you're pregnant, and you do the very best that you can. But it doesn't mean that you're not gonna grow a beautiful, healthy baby if you don't do exactly what a pregnancy diet tells you to. And that's the way it works with lactation. So you just do the best that you can with eating the best food that you can that's available to you um, and drinking water when you're thirsty you don't have to put pressure on yourself to do anything perfectly in that regard um, take your prenatal vitamins uh, when you're making milk um, if it's the prescribed prenatal vitamin that's great if not take a multivitamin that's over the counter um, just doing the best you can is going to be what's best for your baby so that's what I wanted to start off with when it comes to diet. And um, when, when, you're, when you're looking at, am I making enough milk? Am I making enough milk? Um, please don't look at, you know, maybe I didn't eat enough or drink enough. Um, you know, reassess like how, how you're doing, but um, it's not that, that, not that picky. So, and what you're eating is, is really not a great, um, you can't draw a line between like I ate this and the baby is acting like like this. So don't put pressure on yourself in that in that way either. So um, do the best you can with with food. And when you have questions about your diet, what you should and shouldn't be eating, um, contact an IBCLC to find out what her thoughts might be before you think um, of putting some blame on yourself and what you ate. One last thing, people often wanna to know too, how much um, are they able to drink when it comes to um, drinking a, like a glass of wine, drinking a, a beer, um, and are afraid to ask that question. So if you're gonna drink a glass of wine, it takes approximately two to two and a half hours for that glass of wine to be metabolized by your body and to be eliminated. And within about that amount of time, you can go right to breastfeeding. You don't have to pump and discard your milk. So if you had two glasses of wine, you could multiply that, that by two. So it would take about four hours or so for you to eliminate that alcohol from your system so that it would be safe to breastfeed. Because it's four hours, it's possible that your breasts might feel that they need to be um, relieved by, by pumping, so then you can breastfeed again when you hit that about four-hour-ish mark, because sometimes at around three hours, your breasts are, are feeling a little bit too full, and you don't want to end up having discomfort or pain from that. So keep your time frame in mind. Breasts like to have milk removed at least about every three hours. So just to kind of mention that, and when it comes to, to, to magic foods to make more milk, um, there really aren't magic foods like, like that. Um, drink when you're thirsty, eat when you're hungry, and you know, let your family and your support people bring you the foods that are the best foods that they think have helped their mothers and their mothers before them make the most milk possible. That's gonna help keep you healthy. So keep all that in mind. I hope this has been helpful. I really do. Um, and I'm going to come back with another myth to address very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.